Hi, I'm Jake Cornell. I'm a comedian in New York City, and for the past 10 years, I've been living and breathing the restaurant industry. This is a show where I'll be talking to comedians, actors, bartenders, chefs, and restaurant owners about all things going out. We'll talk about restaurants, bars, staying in, drinking, not drinking, and whatever else we want. This is Going Out with Jake Cornell. Hello, how are we doing? I'm truly coming to you on a high right now. It's 60 degrees and sunny in New York. I walked to the studio to record. I'm walking home after. I'm going to a friend's house to watch the figure skating finals tonight. All around, things are really good. I can't complain. The episode this week is with my friend Bill, who I was so excited to have on because Bill has true insight into every single aspect of the restaurant industry. He is one of the former owners of Mimi's Diner, which was an iconic restaurant in Brooklyn that I loved so, so much. Um, Bill and I recently hung out at the Exley, which, as you all know, is one of my favorite bars. And you'll hear on this episode, Bill and I have a lot of similar tastes in terms of restaurants and going out. Um, This conversation is so fun. We get into so much good stuff. Um, Bill is just such a sweet, wonderful guy who has so much insight and so much passion for going out both as like a patron and as someone who's like owning businesses and working in those spaces. You might recognize Bill from some of his videos on Bon Appetit or Epicurious. And if you want to follow him for more recipes and stuff, he has a newsletter called A Piece of Cake, which you can subscribe to on his Instagram. Um, Once again, this episode is just, it's a really good one. So please enjoy me going out with Bill Clark. So obviously like I wanted to have you on because, um, I know a lot, like in my time in the restaurant industry, I obviously knew a lot of people who were bartenders and chefs and restaurants, but not someone who, I mean, I think you know the guts of the restaurant life more than anyone. <laughs> I probably, I probably know in a, on an intimate, I wish traumatic I didn't level. Know it as well as I, do. <laughs> um, I guess I'm curious. So like, obviously when I met you, you were running Mimi's, owning Mimi's. Mm-hmm. Um, living Mimi's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was your, what was like your career tra- trajectory before that? Um, it was mostly, I actually, I, so I, I went to school for hotel restaurant. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. So like from the very beginning and the only jobs that I've ever really had were in the restaurant industry since I was in high school. Yeah. So um, I've kind of worked every single job in a restaurant. Totally. At some point. And where are you from originally? I'm from upstate New York. Oh, cute. Okay, cool. In the Finger Lakes. Oh, nice. Cool. So it was, was the kind of like the touristy aspect of growing up there? What was like your first connection to it all? Yeah. I mean, it was, I had this like kind of weird little um, fine dining restaurant in my hometown. We Uh like, I grew up in like the middle of nowhere, um, but there just happened to be a um, machine shop in town that made machine parts for NASA. So there, <laughs> <laughs> so okay, there was, twice. there was like, a, there were, there were people there. There was like a, an audience uh-huh. for a fine dining restaurant. And so with the oh, owner of this company, sure. the owner of this company kind of like was the backer of this little restaurant because he wanted a place to eat. So in this, in like the middle of nowhere in upstate New York, I was working at like a really great fine dining restaurant. That's amazing. Yeah. And so obviously then that went through all the way to, 
opening memes, running memes, that whole time of your life. Yeah. What did that period of time, which obviously was like probably, I would guess, one of the more intense experiences of your life. <laughs> did that change your relationship to how you approach restaurants and bars and stuff as like a patron and it, as a, going out as a part of your life? Um, I think it it definitely had to, you know, like yeah. there was no way that it wasn't going to in some of course, way. yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I always was because I've been in the industry for so long. Like any time that I went out, it was like we, I I could see through the curtain anywhere. Of course, but then like yeah. running and Same. owning a restaurant is like a totally different. I mean, you get like a, you like can see through the curtain even more. What? <laughs> but that's but that's what I want to know because I don't have that knowledge like what did it what were the things that you realized that you would have never known had you not gone through the experience of owning memes hmm um i think like just the sheer i i had worked for other people who owned restaurants obviously but i i and i had worked a lot like Mm -hmm. a lot of hours but like the actual number of hours (laughs) the amount of your life that is taken up by owning a restaurant i feel like it's very i mean small business owners everywhere are extremely hardworking people but I feel like the industry is like the restaurant industry is like a little bit of a different thing. Well, right, because there's there's just no one above you to be like, oh, they'll do it. Like it has yeah. to come down yeah. to. I you. mean, if like the building's on fire, like you are responsible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't fully imagine the level of and did so it becomes like a labor of love, obviously, but then also a labor of like resentment. I would imagine. I mean, yeah, in some way, I it's just like the thing about. Owning a restaurant in New York or anywhere, really, um, the leases are long and you don't ever open a restaurant with the intention of closing. So, like, when you open a restaurant, you really, like, in my mind, I was like, okay, this is the next decade of my life. Like, this is is it. I will do this for ever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I When I look back, like, Mimi's was obviously, I, you saw how often I was there. Like, I was a very special place for a lot of people and it was, like, a really wonderful restaurant and I think part of what was so great about it was you created I mean obviously the food and the drink was phenomenal but there was also like a um like a culture around it and a space and um an, a vibe and an energy to it mm-hmm. how much of that was um and I think that's the part of restaurants that you see when we, as people who we go to restaurants a lot throughout New York and we're mm-hmm. trying we're always trying new places and it's like food and drink can be there's a there's a, obviously there's a creativity to those things but there is also a science to like what yeah. makes a good cake, what makes a good patty melt or what makes a good cocktail. But like the alchemy of vibe and energy and culture has a little bit more, it's a little bit more like grasping at smoke, you know, mm-hmm. how much of what Mimi's became and what you created was like intentional and deliberate and how much of it was kind of like an organic, this is what formed. Um, I mean, it was like nearly entirely organic. Really? Um, yeah. So the, the approach to the restaurant, um, was sort of we Libby and I were kind of entertaining in the way that we entertained at home yeah. and then it just sort of like evolved into this thing and it really was like it it kind of the the people that started to come to the restaurant mm-hmm. and the people who worked at the restaurant it just kind of like all started to like fit together and that's it just became its own thing yeah and th- I mean that makes sense because it did feel so special and I think that has to I guess that has to come organically if it, if it's too planned out that it I mean, it was end. thought through and like, we were constantly, of like, course. we were like constantly trying to make like a thoughtful, um, experience for people, totally. but, but it was really not like a calculated move. Right. That makes total sense. What are, when you, how do you like to go out? 
in terms of like going out? What is that? What is like the term going out mean to you in New York? How do you like to? Um, I mean, I think it's changed in the last. Well, of course, couple of years. <laughs> every single person has said that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure you're getting that a lot, but um, I think to go out for me is at this point right now, it's like to get out of my house, right. you know, like we, yeah, of course. Yeah. So I, before kind of going out to eat in New York could feel like a competitive sport. Yeah. So like <laughs> you are either trying to get the reservation or you are like, Oh, I know that owner. Or, I know yeah. that chef. I know that bartender. Like, you know, you're trying to like, Oh, everyone's going here. I got to go there. It's just, yeah. it comes this like thing. But I think now at this point, it's just like, I'm just going out to really enjoy myself at this point in my life. I just want to go. I mean, I end up going to like the same places all the time. I mean, like repeats. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that creates you like become friendly with the people that work at a place. You, um, you know, your order, they know your order. You like can constantly, you know, exactly what kind of Manhattan you're going to get when you sit down. Like, you know, it's just like, yeah, totally. becomes, I had dinner at Bernie's last night. Yeah, I did, <laughs> I, I did too. You were there like an hour before. Wait, me. no, wait, shut yeah. up. <laughs> wait, that's so funny. Did Matt tell you? Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. What'd yeah. you have? Um, we had the vinegar chicken, Same. um, and we did two salads. I was with, um, Eddie from Eddie's grocery. Oh, I yeah. love him. I've yeah. been meaning to, like, I've been meaning to go in and check him out because I'm also, I'm friendly with Mila, who's, who is like his, mm-hmm. um, like head chef. Um, and they're both so sweet, but I haven't been able to check out Eddie's yet. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. It's I've really, heard it's really fantastic. Uh, yeah. so you had the vinegar chicken and two salads. Yeah. We did one <laughs> salad and a side of the bread. I need the bread right. for the jus. The bread is actually really good. Yeah. I, I, for the, the vinegar chicken yeah. jus, that is my favorite bite is the bread and the, the jus. The bread is like a, um, a secret hit on that menu. Well, the funniest like. thing is the first, the first time I got it was like two times ago. And I was like, is one side of bread enough for us? It was just two of us. And the guy was like. Yeah, and I come out and it's like a full fucking loaf. It's of a bread. whole loaf of bread. Yeah. <laughs> what and like I don't understand what kind of bread it is, but it's like I feel like it's more bre- butter than it is flour. Absolutely. Like it's, it's I, well, a, I think it's just like griddled in like a pound of butter. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's it's delicious. Yeah, I don't think we have great cholesterol as we speak right now. You know, I think we're probably in a bad way. Um, do you um is like nightlife also a part of your going out, or are you more of like a restauranty type of person? Yeah. Um. I think when we first opened Mimi's, I, Andrew, he's now my husband, but he was not then. Right. We were going out like way too much. <laughs> well, it's like the work hard. It play was, hard yeah, it was yeah, sort of like totally. this, like, um, it was like an escapist sort of thing. Of um, course. And now I think going out is like, it's way more relaxed. We do still, I still go to parties and stuff, yeah. but um, I'm not out till 7 a.m. like. Multiple times a week or a month. Yeah, I mean, I certainly would. That on top of work, running a restaurant seems. I'm, I'm impressed that you, uh, your skin looks as good as it does. I feel oh, like. Oh, wow, thanks. I feel like that would have aged me pretty brutally. I feel like it did. So. You're like I'm 21. <laughs> that is so funny. I mean, so have you been in New York the whole time, like from the Finger Lakes to? Uh, no, I went to school um, at the University of Delaware, um, and oh, then cool. I kind of stayed in Delaware for a few years after college, and mm-hmm. then I moved here in 2013. Oh, okay, cool. So similar. To, that's actually a similar time frame to how long I've lived here. Yeah. Do you feel like you've seen the New York, and you've worked in restaurants that whole time? 
Uh, I actually worked in um, a bakery when I first came to. Oh, New but York. still food. Yeah. yeah. So still hospitality, but yes. Which bakery? Um, Ovenly. Oh, cute. Yeah. Nice. Um, how, do you feel like you've seen like the industry and the this the landscape shift and change over the time we've been here? Yeah, I mean, I think generally. Um, what people want out of restaurants has changed in the last 10 years. Interesting. Can you... I think that, I mean, personally, at least the the people that I know in the industry and the people that I know that love to go out to eat, yeah. um, it's much, much less geared towards fine dining and more towards, like, these neighborhood spots, like Bernie's, I, that we yeah. go to all the time. And, like, that's what everybody wants. I totally agree. Yeah, I was talking with... When we were talking with Molly Baz, mm-hmm. we were talking, like, I, neither of us... I can't tell you the last time I went to a fine dining, fine dining restaurant, and yeah, I can't tell you the last time anyone I know went to a fine dining restaurant. Right. Because I don't think, and I don't fully know, I would, like, like, I don't fully know now what that space would, like, I'm trying to think, like, what would be the occasion in which I would want that over, like, the intimacy of, like, a Bernie's or a Mimi's or what, like, other places. I feel like even, like, the the Bernies and the Mimis of the world are now also a special occasion restaurant because like when you celebrate, you want to be somewhere that you are enjoying yourself and you feel comfortable and you feel like you're surrounded by people that you know. And that makes it so much better. And like, honestly going to a super fine dining restaurant is such an incredible experience and can be really wonderful, but it can also be somewhat uncomfortable. It's not, I mean, there is like, there is like a, have you ever worked in fine dining? Yes. I mean, yeah. Oh wait, you literally said that earlier. Yeah. Well, when I moved to New York, um, the first week that I was living in New York, I was interviewing at Per Se. Oh shit! And okay. I was I was on my like third trail there for a front of house position. Oh when wow! I realized I was like I cannot, I don't like this. This totally. is not for me. This is not my world. I really, really thought that that was where I was going to land. And like 100%. when I was in hospitality school, I was like, oh, I'm either going to be in like like luxury hotels or yeah. fine dining. Yeah. And now I ended up owning like. <laughs> a little gay diner and, <laughs> and I eat at the same corner restaurant every week. <laughs> so it's it, totally different. Of course. I mean, I think like that actually is, I think one of the biggest shifts I feel like I saw because I also worked, well, I did work in a fine dining restaurant for mm-hmm. the first, like, actually it, it feels like it was multiple years of my life. And then I have to remind myself it was truly eight months, but like it was so intense. And I also stayed in that world I was in another fine dining place after that for a bit. And I also was friends with those people for years that stayed. Mm-hmm. So that restaurant was very much like in my orbit, but like the shift in, I think what's so, what used to be so special about fine dining places like where I, where I used to work and like an 11 Madison park or something like that, like those or, or per se, even mm-hmm. I don't really know much about per se, to be honest, because I've never been, and I don't really know anyone who ever worked there, but yeah. like, I think that there used to be a, um, there used to be an intimacy to it and an, and between you and the experience that was very like um could be somewhat customized and curated like it was yeah. part of I remember when I worked at the restaurant I used to work at I don't name it because I talk a lot of shit about it and the, yeah. the owner is rich um, <laughs> um but I like there used to be kind of part of the skill of being like working in fine dining or working in those spaces was reading like the guest or the table and being like, Oh, we could, I think they would love it if we did this, you know what I mean? Or like, and kind of like customizing things like that and making these little extra moves that kind of made it feel very curated, like to you. And I think, and I, I've heard a lot of people agree with this. And I think what often gets blamed 
whether or not this is valid is like the the like NYU Cornell school pipe to pipeline like mm-hmm. to EMP pipeline or to per se pipeline is like the rigidity and the um the formalness of like this is how it's done this is the correct way yeah. everything is done has transitioned those kinds of services into very formulaic and very cookie cutter in a way that which then kind of highlights at a place like a Bernie's or a Mimi's that intimacy then becomes much more valuable. And I think that's so interesting. Like I think that that is used to be what you were paying for, for fine dining. And now it's transitioned into these other spaces. Right. That's what I was going to say is like, I think that though the, the customized or like the thoughtful experience that you were paying for at fine dining is now translated into all these like little neighborhood restaurants. Exactly. Yeah. I hadn't, that is so true. And I hadn't like concretely like realized that, but I do think that is like the shift. I also feel like, um, I don't know, I you're also an industry person, but and we, we clearly go to the same restaurants, yeah. and, but I feel like that's also a similar thing that's, ha- or a, a thing that's happening, um, at least in my, like, kind of corner of the restaurant world, is that these places are, like, industry places. They're run by people who have been in the industry for a long time and people who are in the, in the industry love to go to them. Well, I think it's because, I think, I don't know, I would imagine this is why you do it, but for me, it's, like, I want to know that, like, the staff is being treated well where I'm going yeah. and that it's a good place to work and it's a good environment and that it's, like, it's kind of, like, eth- like ethical fair trade almost, you know? <laughs> like, f- Bernie's is, like, a fair trade restaurant. <laughs> But it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, I think that is for me is like, I know, like, I know the people that work at Miss Ada and I know they love working at Miss Ada. So I feel good going to Miss Ada. And like, same with Bernie's, same with Walter's, like these restaurants that I, I like, it's part of, I think that's part of the draw for me. Because there are countless restaurants that people hate to work at. Yeah. Cause we've. I'm sure we've both worked at them too. And people are like, oh, I love that restaurant. And I'm like, they torture me every week. (laughs) Um, And I think that, which is, I've I've brought that up on the show before. Is like, I, that is like something I kind of want to impart onto people is like, that is, should be part of how you are. Yeah. um, Rating restaurants. And I think that's what doesn't. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, is like, I don't think that gets talked about, especially right now in the culture of like how social media is like where people are like pushing restaurants and it's just like the picture of like the dish at this restaurant or like, you know, the cheese pull at this restaurant. And it's like, I think, and service is often valued in terms of like how you are treated. And I think you can take in, if do people seem happy to be working at the place you're at, that should be part of what you are looking for. I, I mean, think. but it, it translates to the, the hospitality that you're getting. Oh, I mean, you there's can no really question. tell when people like to work at a place 100%. and when they don't. And I also think that in the, something that's changed in the last couple of years is we, not just people who work in the industry, but like average consumers have kind of like the curtain has been pulled back and like people who work in restaurants are actually people now. Right, instead They're not of just servants. like a person who, like a faceless person that is there to like put 100%. food down in front of you, um, which I think is an interesting shift. Yeah, I think it's objectively good. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> I also think that the like the general consumer's understanding of how fragile and how like slim the margins are is sort of that the they're like realizing that, and people are talking about it in a different way now than they were. Like nobody has any idea that your favorite restaurant on the corner is like two weeks from like two bad weeks from like going under. I know. And that's just like, that's not a, that's not a, like a singular 
uh, yeah. experience. Like that's like that's all, almost across, all. The, yes. across the entire industry. Yeah, especially now, like in a post-COVID thing, it's like, yeah. like January, you got to go to your favorite restaurants because it's going to be bad. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's like, we should probably put this episode towards the front then just to get that message out in January. <laughs> but it's like, it's like people don't know. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I worked at a restaurant where the Labor Day weekend literally, li- like without exaggeration, literally almost put the restaurant out of business because it was so bad. Uh, um, And it's like, that's, and I don't think that was singular to that restaurant. It's yeah, not. It's not. And that's just part of the industry. Do you think, and it like, I'm sure this is like not your favorite thing to talk about because it is such a stressful thing, but like, I'm curious after having gone through all of that with memes and stuff, like thinking about, I often have had the thought um, working in restaurants with all of these challenges being like, this isn't sustainable. Like this can't be how the industry is like run. Right. Did you have any thoughts of like what the future could look like or what you would like it to look like or like what I'm like any proposed solutions to all of that? Yeah. I mean, that's, this is like, this is the question. Well, this of is course, like this the, is, yeah, I'm yeah, you yeah, the biggest the, question. Yeah, and it is, it's really tough and really hard. And like, I don't, yes, there are, I have this conversation all the time. Of with course. People who are in the industry all the time. Yeah. And we're all like, okay, well, everything needs to change. Like everything from the ground up has to change. hundred percent. And then it's like, well, but what does that look like? How? how? <laughs> I mean, I don't even know where to start. Is right. the thing. I mean, that's well, and you know so much more than me that I'm like, what's? Your- I mean, it's the same. It, it's as this is maybe like a little bit dramatic, but it's like as big of a question as like climate change. It cannot be. <laughs> <laughs> it cannot be put upon the Consumer. absolute individual small business owners. Yeah. You know, I mean, yes, that can be like the ground for like the fertile ground for change, but it needs to be like legislation. It has to be like a full, it cannot, you cannot just like have like three little restaurants trying to like change the world. You have to like really kind of rebuild the way that the, like the wage laws are, the tipping laws are, you know, like that's where it needs to begin. Yes, because are you when the when that conversation comes up about paying employees and tipping and wages and stuff, are you pro keeping tipping? Like what? Like or do you think it needs to go away as a system? I think that the like we get caught on the conversation of like, is it like, are we pro tipping or anti tipping? Right, and yeah. that's like there's like so much nuance and gray area there. What uh, exactly. I am, what I am pro is everyone across the board front of house back of house making equal or better pay than they are currently yeah so what that like what the solution to that problem is i don't have that answer um and exactly i don't know that and it's not as simple as like not like eliminating tipping and you know like having a flat rate um menu pricing and things like that it's i it's not as simple as that right because the thing is it's not like the money is like like we just said it's not like the money exists and is going to a different place and should be going to the staff it's doesn't it's it not just, going yeah, it just it doesn't it's it doesn't exist there. yeah so then, that's the problem is that it needs to also be a full reset of the consumer's mind because like if you are continuing to go into a place and you're buying a six dollar burrito every day yeah 
and the person that's making your burrito is making minimum wage. And yeah. then and then all of a sudden the you know the cost of cheese skyrockets. Yeah. But the consumer doesn't know that. They're not like watching the prices of dairy go up. Right. So when that burrito actually should cost $15 and yeah. You like the person going in there and buying a $6, it's not they're not going to like know why. Yeah. And it's hard to like convey that to somebody that like yes, this thing should cost 30% more than that than you're paying for it right now. Yeah, and people also don't think about I have so much to say on this, but it's like people, one, people are not comfortable with the concept of paying for labor, especially when it comes to food. They're like, well, this burrito costs this much. Like the ingredients of the, some of these ingredients cost this much. So I don't understand how it should cost this much, but it's like, you're paying for the room in a restaurant. You're paying for the room you're sitting in. You're paying for the chair you're sitting in. You're paying for the server who's bringing it and the person who's cooking it. So like, yeah, it does cost that much. It costs way more than you're probably actually paying. Yeah. And I think also, I can't remember if I've talked about this on the podcast or if this is a, because I also have this conversation literally all the, all the time. time. But I think like, I think a big part of it, as someone who lived off tips for 10 years, um, people don't understand, tipping is not viewed as like a valid, valid source of income. Like people, my entire time being a bartender, people would be like, if when I would say like, oh, I'm a bartender, people would, people would always say like, oh, wow, you must make great tips. And I was like, yeah, that's how I get paid. People still don't understand the concept of like, there's no paycheck under it. That's my, it'd be like, it was the same as if someone was like, I'm a lawyer and I'd be like, oh, you must get a nice weekly paycheck. It's like, yeah, we all get paid for our job. People always viewed tips as like, and I think what's at the root of it, extra, extra. And also that you're getting away with getting something you don't deserve. That Mm. it's like Mm. a bonus, like, because people don't think of it. And what, so what I think it ultimately is, is people aren't comfortable, especially when we first started out in New York, like seven years ago, um, eight years ago. And in, I think New York, it's gotten better, but in other places I still encounter this demeanor is people don't think in New York, it is people, there are bartenders who are made, I would say like making as a bartender in New York, making like $60,000 a year is like a pretty low paying position. There are people in New York making six figures bartending absolutely and living and like and not just like cash only like people above board making like six figures bartending and people think of that is ludicrous people are like they're kind of like robbing the bank they're scamming the system that is how that is treated and i think it's because like people don't because it doesn't have these formal credentials of like you need a master's degree right. you need to go through these systems you need to pay your way in and so people are like well i did you know i went to eight years of schooling to become, to get this licensure, to become this thing, to make $175,000 a year. How is it okay that you're doing, you are, you're making that same amount of money for a job that you didn't have to go through all the schooling for? And it's like, yeah, well, capitalism, capitalism is flawed is the answer to your question. But it's like, but that I think, and I think that is why there's such a reticence against truly helping tipped people is because it is a threat to the system of like why people, how people become successful in this system, this society. We need to like, when you're like talking about that, you need to really let's look at like how Americans view trade in general. Like, yeah. And that we've been conditioned that everyone needs a college degree. Everyone needs, you know, and that's ludicrous and crazy. And that should not be the way that we think about life. No. And also, I mean, we really need to think about being a server, being a bartender, being a line cook is incredibly skilled labor. Unbelievably skilled. And and 
people have been I don't I don't know why it is so hard for people to understand that. Um, because you go to a restaurant, you go like how many times a week do people go to the same bar or they go to a bar, you know? And like, it's, it's even if you're going to like the diviest dive bar, that bartender is very skilled. Yeah. As a former dive bar bartender, at times it's harder than doing the fine dining. Absolutely. And they're different skill sets. It's completely different skill sets. And it's like, it's like doing, it's like practicing corporate law versus practicing, Ooh, I just dug myself in a grave of not having a second kind of lot of refer to. <laughs> I started a metaphor I don't, or similarly, I don't have the reference for. But like, it's like doing, I don't know, like environmental law. There we yeah. go. You know, like, it's like you're both lawyers, but you're doing completely different things. Absolutely. But it's like, I, there is a, there is such a reticence to all of that. And I think people also, this we've, I, like, restaurants often get, I think, and I wonder if you ever encountered this, People love to think that like people are in the restaurant industry for like the good of the game or the love of the game. Mm. And they get mad when it's like, oh, you're just doing this to make money. Or like when you kind of are front facing about the fact that it's a business, people think that's like antithetical to the culture of being a restaurant because it's not like a faceless corporation like a bank is or like H&M is like where it's like objectively like, yeah, this place exists to make money. It's like, no, they all do. Like we do it because we love it, but also like they do at their core have to exist to make money. And that has yeah. to be like, not necessarily celebrated, but like kept top of mind. Yeah. I, I mean, yes, it's all, it all kind of wraps up in the same, the same problem yeah, that you- like <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the perception of value of the industry and of restaurants and of, you know, yes. And yeah, I, it's, it's not just a, it's a really big, a big problem. With I know. I mean, like this was like, the, and- no, but this was like the crisis. Cause like when I moved to New York, I genuinely was like, like I loved, I had bartended all through college yeah. and I had loved it. And I had a very rose colored glasses idea of like what life being a rest working professionally in the restaurant industry would be because I was coming from like living in Burlington, Vermont rent. And like also having like a student loan that was helping me pay for it. And then like, working with all my friends at a margarita bar and we were like 21 and it was like the most fun time ever. Amazing. And I was like, it's going to be this forever. And then I got to New York and got absolutely punted in the ass real quick. But like, (laughs) but, but this was the crisis. Like I, and I also, I was like, I'm going to do this and or comedy. Like I have two careers that I can kind of like lean into. And so, but then like, you know, three months into working in this, like the fine dining and the restaurant industry and seeing what it all looked like these exact conversations, I was like, oh, I can't, I can't have a, a career in this because I don't understand how to fix these problems. And they right. seem so pervasive. And that was what made me then lean even harder into comedy and like be wanting to be a comedian. So for someone like you, that is one, a phenomenal chef and baker, like, and very skilled well, and gifted. <laughs> um, the, like I've, but also like passionate about the industry. Like where does this, in terms of like making your career, where do you then look to when in terms of, in the face of all that, like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is um a lot more of an intense conversation than no. I thought we were going to have when I walked through the door. <laughs> we don't have to talk no, about no, your it's career. Really, it's really great. Um, no, I mean, that's like literally the what question I of think your whole about life. Yeah. every morning. Of course. <laughs> every evening. I mean, and also that's sort of where like, yes, I, I have worked in a restaurant, in a bakery, like 
physically making yes. food for produ- for sale for so long that what I've really started to like in the last year after closing the restaurant, I was like, I needed a minute. Of I needed course. like, you know, and I also, but I didn't, I, one of the reasons that I loved what I did was because, and the root of it was entertaining and entertaining at home. And so kind of pulling back from like pulling my head out of the sand of like owning a restaurant and being yeah. there every day, all day. And like with literally my, the only purpose of my entire life was to keep the business going and make sure that I could pay the people that were working for me and like keep everyone happy. Um, <laughs> was, um, that I realized that I had kind of lost touch with the, um, what I love doing, like entertaining like at home the and, cook, and cooking at home and yeah. like, and like the, using food to make people happy in that way. Yeah. And so kind of what I've done, (laughs) maybe it's self-preservation. I haven't really thought about that in a way, but um, I've kind of like pulled back from like working in the like direct industry for a little while. And I have been writing recipes and publishing recipes and doing more recipe development. And, And also I was never a writer. I had not written anything since college. So it's been like a really fun exercise to kind of like, you're very good at doing it. that. Well, thank you very much. Um, it's it's really fun. It's really fun, and I also have a great editor. So that's <laughs> great. So this is it's kind of about just going back for right now. It's like getting back to like the things that you actually enjoy, and then seeing where you can go from there. Yeah, and then I think that's a healthy approach. Yeah, and then I I mean I also did I went I like dove straight back into it this summer, and I did a like a full chef's residency at a restaurant in Provincetown, yeah. um, which was great because it was I was doing it with one of my very dear friends. Um, Dory Santos and she's an incredibly talented chef. And so it was like very fun to like, right. It was also the first like savory menu that I've written in years like right. for the actual restaurant. Like, cause at Mimi is, I was the pastry chef right. and Libby was the, the savory chef. And, um, it was like very, it was a really fun exercise to like jump back into it in that way. Yeah. I also, um, I like physically fell apart. I was going to say, like, I remember, <laughs> it like, was really hard. I remember, like, seeing, I mean, I remember watching you, like, while Mimi's, like, in the last, like, year of Mimi's, like, I was, I would try to, like, promote you guys as much as I could online because I was, like, you guys are working so fucking hard in a way that, like, as a restaurant lover, it, like, really, I was, like, feeling for you. And then when it closed, I, and then you were, like, I'm going to go run a, like, you post, you, like, announced, like, I'm running, like, a restaurant in, like, a vacation town in the middle of the summer. I was, like, what is wrong with this man? I know. Well, I, I am, truly I'm was like truly deranged. I was like, that is the most stressful like move I can imagine. Like, just because it's like vacation town volume, like a new. Yes. I, obviously, it's province. It's P town, so like, there's a comfortability there, I guess. Well, I mean, <laughs> so I mean, we're talking about um, problems with the industry. That it was a true microcosm up there. Yeah. I mean, it is like we. I mean, we honestly went in thinking we were going to hire a full kitchen staff because it was a, you know, it was a, a comparable size to Mimi's. It was like a 40 seat restaurant and Mimi's was like anywhere between like 35 and 42, depending on how many chairs I stuck in there. <laughs> um, but it was a similar, it was a similar size. Um, and we couldn't hire anyone. There was, <sighs> there was literally, there, there was no one to work. Like every every single restaurant in town was short staffed. Front of house and back of house. Everyone, yeah. And the front of house of this specific restaurant was operating with thirty percent of the staff that they had operated with before the pandemic, and so, and that was not because 
the jobs weren't there. It was literally there was just no one to work because they also, I mean, it's like a whole housing crisis. There are many, many layers to that. A lot of it, um, a lot of the jobs in town were filled by J-1 visas. And yeah. that what that didn't happen because of the pandemic. So Fuck. it was just this real crazy sort of storm of, and and you want to talk about people not getting it. The, cons- the customers not getting it. It's like, I feel like in New York, people have a different percent, like, Totally. People understand a little bit more. I don't know what it is, I, I, but in a vacation town, people do not well, get it. That was like, that was specifically what I was thinking yeah. about. When I was saying like, this man is crazy. Cause I was yeah. like the, the, like the mentality of people on vacation and the kind of people that go to those towns. Not that I, most people who go to P town are great, but like, <laughs> I, like sure. Yeah. I, there's a vacation mentality. Obviously there's like a, there's a barrier to entry in terms of wealth. And I think the yes. higher up you go in that ladder, the worse it's going to be always and so i was just like the clientele is gonna be like well challenging i mean okay yes and no but i was so lucky that this restaurant is another little neighborhood restaurant right and it really like the clientele of this specific restaurant it was a lot of repeat customers a lot of people who worked in town like a lot right. of our friends who worked in town would come there on their day off. yeah um it was sort of like the same I was like, how did I like go from like an environment like Mimi's that was also similar, like kind of like locals, you know, community based. Yeah. 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 Into a very similar environment in Provincetown. I mean, there are a lot of restaurants in town that are just like high volume, like crank it out, you know, kind of thing. Um, But this was really a, a different vibe, which was really lucky. And the staff there was incredible. It was just like, it was a really, it was a great experience. I mean, it was tough. It was I'm really, sure. really yeah. hard. Luckily, I mean, we really, we talked to the owners. We kind of, we opened um, just before Memorial Day. Uh-huh. And um, immediately it was like full force. So normally there's like a little bit of an amp up in, yeah. the, in the town. No, but people were ready to get out of town. <laughs> and I mean, we were doing um, similar sales in June of 2021 to August of 2019 with a third of the staff. Yeah, that's fucking brutal. So it was crazy. Um, and then we kind of like pulled back and we 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 all kind of like got together and we figured out that we really, we were all going to die if we didn't make a change. So we ended up being open from Thursday to, to Sunday okay. for the whole season. Nice. And that was great. Nice. I mean, it was still a lot um, because we had to prep the entire menu with two people nearly every day. But oh um, I actually just got <laughs> nauseous. That made me feel sick. But I mean, it was like, it, it really, I don't know. It, we survived and it was, yeah, it, it was enjoyable. Here. And we were putting out really, really great food. I mean, it was a really fun menu and it's nice to having worked in New York and, and cooked in New York for so long to pull yourself out of that and like go to a totally different place. And yeah. Like, cook food for that place you know it was very like it was very like cape specific yeah totally so that was really fun that's awesome yeah where are what are the obviously bernie's we've talked about but like what are the other spaces in new york that you love to go like when you're having your nights out like what are the places you love like and how do you how do you enjoy dining out obviously we talked about like the casualness of it Mm -hmm, but like what mm -hmm. are your moves like how do you kind of construct a night out um, I mean, it really just depends. Um, we we actually aren't eating out a ton right now. Sure. Um, just because we are trying to be responsible. 
Um, Respect. <laughs> no, but I did. I just went to um, my friend Calvin just opened a new restaurant in Williamsburg, Bonnie's. Oh, I've um, heard great things. It is so good. And it's a similar thing. It's really great to like see somebody open another one of these like neighborhoody spaces. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because that's really the vibe is like the food is incredible. The menu is wild. The wine list is great. The cocktails are wonderful. But the vibe is like very um, friendly. I love that. Yeah. So it's, that's, I mean, that's like always the goal. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, we, we end up like going out for like, a, like a drink around the corner more than we are like eating out at the moment. That makes sense. Where did you have spots that, but what were your like Bernie's S spots pre pandemic? Um, we go to, well, we do go to Julius a lot for a burger. I mean the best. Yeah. I fucking love Julius. So yeah. Much. It's so great. I, I was actually there like two nights ago and it's so funny that, it's now like table service. I know. It's kind of like, it still throws me every single time. I know. I actually forgot until you just said it. Yeah. Because every time I'm like, wait, w- sorry, what? And yeah. Like, and it also stresses me out because I'm so like, I'm one of those people that like, I need to, when I get to a restaurant, I'm like, how does everything work? I want to follow the rules. I want to fall yeah. in line. And so I feel, I then get like anxious when I fuck it up at Julius because I'm yeah. used to walking up to the counter and just saying what I want. Yeah. Um, that's so true. God, the burger there is one of the best. It's great. Yeah. And I mean, that was sort of um, when we when we had the restaurant open, um, that was kind of our Sunday night ritual, Andrew and I. That's so nice. Because even if we, he ended up working at the restaurant a ton. I mean, like he essentially had two full-time jobs, his like real, real job and then working at the restaurant. Um, and so even by Sunday, even though we had been working together all week at the restaurant, we really hadn't spent any time together. Right. So we would go... From I would like cut myself at some point at at Sunday night and we would go straight from the restaurant to Julius. That's gorgeous. Yeah. And it was like mostly it was like a weekly ritual, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like very like um, grounding. Yeah. (laughs) And then then we had Monday off and it was or I had Monday off and he continued to. (laughs) (laughs) I also like Mimi's for me and like that just talking about Julius kind of reminding me of this was like, I feel like kind of the start of this trend of like, cause we obviously gay bars have been around forever, but like the, now we have gay restaurants. Like, and yeah, I don't know that it's like identified as like, I don't, but like Mimi's, I feel like people would write it up as like the queer diner. Like it was, yeah. you know, um, that was an interesting turn of events because we never really, um, and I've talked about this, Libby and I have also t- talked about this a lot before, but we never really like, set out to like open a gay restaurant. Sure. We, um, we were just opening a restaurant that happened to be owned by queer people to queer people. And then I also, in a, in a very early on interview with, um, Lucas from Jari Mag, um, I, I called it a very, very gay restaurant in the, in the sense that it was just like a little bit extra. It was, I mean, it was a very gay restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that just became like a very, like, um, a very nice peg for everything to hang on. So, and then when um, Hannah Goldfield wrote uh, the first review in the New Yorker, um, that's like, it just like kind of like snowballed, snowballed from, from, there. from there. Yeah. Yeah. Into, but, but I, I love that. Cause I feel like there are other ones now I feel like, or there's just places that feel it's not just, I like queerness spreading out into places outside of just like, the drinking focus nightlife. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's really special. I mean, and also it's it's good. It's really good that this is happening because we are also just losing so many gay bars. I hate it. I mean, I it's mean, just like 
Yeah, it's just we're, and for many, many, many reasons, but, like, the the number of, like, queer-specific establishments is, like, dropping, like, they're dropping like flies. Yeah, truly. So it's, like, places like Julius, one of the reasons that I feel like it's great to go there on a weekly basis is just, like, because how long, are you know... God forbid. We don't, I mean, God forbid, but you but don't they, know. I mean, they also, they almost went under during the pandemic. I know. It was like, you know, it, they were really on the brink. And I, they might still be, you know, they're just maybe not talking about it as much. But they were very vocal about the fact that they were absolutely struggling very close to closing their doors. And so I think it's important to, like, if you love a place, to, like, really support it and go all the time. It's also, like, at that point, and, that, like, that kind of ties into, into what you were talking about earlier about, like, legislation. I'm like, Julia should be protected as, like, a, like it should, as a historical monument. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, the oldest gay bar in New York. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's, like, it there is, like, a historical and cultural loss to losing places like that. And I think that's, like, the thing that is, it's, like, you have to support these places you love because there isn't a net under them. I don't think right. people are, like, well, it could Julius could never close. It's Julius. And it's like, no, they are a business and they very much could close. Yeah, absolutely. And nothing is, nothing is permanent. Yeah. Especially in New York. <laughs> yeah. Well, this city is obsessed with like tearing itself down every 50 years and putting something else up and then I, another 50 years go by and you do it again. I know. And I like, I've, I feel like there, I can name like two different writing pieces right now that are both like so beautifully like talk about that. And I, and there is like a beauty to that in New York, but there's also, you want to keep, you want to save your places. Yeah. Um, which is hard. I, it's, it makes me, it makes me sad to think about, but it's also, I get like, there was this beautiful article called, um, she would have loved this. Did you ever read this mm-hmm. piece? Did you read yeah. that? And like, just, there was like a line in like one of the first paragraphs that she, where she says like, um, you're, when you're sitting in your favorite bar, someone else is like walking by thinking about how it used to be theirs yeah. like in the, the space before it. And I thought that was so like poetic and devastating at the same time. Yeah. Um, I mean, we really just like, we lost a lot of restaurants and in during the pandemic. And this is yeah. not, I'm sure you've talked about this in other interviews and other conversations, but I mean, but I think not re- really, I don't know. You, you have an intimacy to like that whole experience that I don't think a lot of people get. I, I yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I closed a restaurant. Yeah. There. Yeah. Um, and I think that, People, um, it was kind of a wake up call for people who go out to eat in the city because you realize that every, that nothing is permanent and everybody can close. And it doesn't matter if you've been there for three years or if you've been there for 50 years. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, that was, I do, like, I remember like the Mimi's last day, like going and be like, this is the last time we're going to get the chicken finger. You know what I mean? Like that mm-hmm. and like the lines down the street and it was like beautiful and sad at the same time. Of yeah. course, I'm sure for you more so than me, like it was your spot yeah it was Uh, it was lovely it was great i mean it was it was it was a a, it was nice to see that yeah and i think that was where i i that was i think one of the biggest things for me that shifted in the pandemic was then being like oh like if i love a restaurant i'm like i want to be on their team like i want to fight for them you Mm -hmm. know what i mean i want to like talk about them on a podcast i want to post about that like I used to think that like posting, cause there's a difference between I shit a lot on the, especially I, in previous interviews on this show, I've shit a lot on people like the culture around going to restaurants just to be able to Instagram that you're there. Yeah. Which I do think sucks. I do think that sucks at the same time when I go to the, these restaurants like burn, like these restaurants that I really love, 
I want to broadcast it out and support them to an extent. Yeah. I'm sure people roll their eyes every time I post something from Bernie's because I'm like there all the, like literally all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe no one cares. I don't know, but I'm just, no, but like, yeah, no, I totally get it. I think that, um, I agree. I think that it's a little bit cringy. This like it, like I was saying, like going out to eat in the city can be a competitive sport. Exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah. But I also think that it is important to, you know, broadcast it. Like if you really love something, you really need to like let people know. Yeah. And also like, I don't like thinking about it. It Like you, we learned like these places can go away. And so it is that thing of like, oh, like I love this restaurant. I want to bring you here. Like my, I'll yeah. bring, like, I mean, that was like last night I was at Bernie's because my friend had never been before and she like lives nearby. And I was like, so we're going to go here so that you know this spot. And obviously like I wanted the chicken, but like, yeah. um, <laughs> but at the same time, like it's getting people in, you know what I mean? And going to like, and like I went to Cozy Royale recently. Like, a Oh, few I months. haven't been okay, yet. Okay. So you have to, the, okay. so that's now my favorite burger in the city. Oh, great. I think it's the best burger I've had in the city. I think Winston Bakery is the best burger. I, okay. Wait, you're not the first person to tell me that. And I haven't had that burger yet. Yeah. Um, but but so then when I went, I was like, okay, so now I have like four people I need to bring here that I know love burgers. Yeah. And like that, I think approaching restaurants in that way is really beautiful and special. Yeah. I mean, that's the, you're literally just describing how important restaurants are. Yeah. I, which <laughs> I think people <laughs> listen to the show and they're like, this kid's fucking obsessed. <laughs> well, it's literally the point of your show. It's the point, so. Yeah. It's the point of my show. And it was like the, it was the, it's been the focal point of my life for a decade. So yeah. I guess. That's it. Um, we're all deranged. We're all deranged, and I think we can end on that. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Going Out with Jake Cornell. If you could please go and rate and review us on whatever you're listening to this on, that would be really gorgeous for me in a huge way. So thank you. And now for some credits. Going Out with Jake Cornell is recorded in New York City and produced by Keith Beavers and Katie Brown. The music you're hearing is by Darby Seasai. The cover art you're probably looking at was photographed by M. Cooper and designed by Danielle Grinberg. And a special shout out to Vinepair co-founders Josh Mallon and Adam Teeter for making all of this possible. 